Well, good morning, everybody. Um, just so you all know, we are uh, going to be starting uh, Children's Church again next week. Um, for those of you who are involved, you probably already got a text from Nikki. If you're sitting there and you're going, huh, what, huh, and you feel like you should be involved, um, you can talk to uh, somebody, you know, just not me, no. Uh, you could probably see mom after church and she could direct you, right, or come to me, I'll give you Nikki's number or whatever so you can talk to her. Um, but that's going to be, that's going to be starting up next week. So uh, for all those who have volunteered, thank you so much for your, for your service. And also, um, if the Lord puts it on your heart to get involved, uh, then, then feel free to do so. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm even on the roster. So I love being mean to kids though. So it's really, it's just a bonus. It's a win-win really. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course. Uh, I, I'm excited about it. I love teaching kids. They're easy. They're, they're easy because their little brains uh, are longing for information and they're longing for truth and they're longing for someone who they know cares about them to speak truth into their lives. Uh, and it's a, it's a blessing. If you've never taught kids, it can be a little intimidating uh, when you think about it and sometimes wrangling them. It's like herding cats, you know, um, but uh, it, it is, is an absolute blessing. So uh, let's see, we are in the book of Joshua, and we are in one of the great chapters of the Bible, and I'm uh, honored and privileged to be able to teach it this morning. Hopefully, I can do it some sort of justice with the Lord's help. Uh, Joshua chapter 2, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we are thankful, Lord, and we, we praise your holy name, Lord, that we can be here together today. Every single person here, whether they know it or not, is here by divine appointment. Uh, Lord, and so I pray that you would help me to not get in the way, Lord. I pray that you would help me to stay out of the way and let you do your thing. I pray that through your mighty and holy word, Father, you would do your, your work in, in each and every heart that's here today, uh, whether we need encouragement or exhortation or instruction or rebuke or discipline, whatever it is, Father, whatever each heart needs, it's probably a little of, of everything, Father. We pray that you would supply that to them today uh, because when it comes from you, Father, it comes with rejoicing and it comes with gladness. Uh, Lord, and at hearing the word of the Lord. So we pray that you would accomplish that today, Father. We pray that you bless each heart here today, Lord. And we pray that you'd be with all of our brothers and sisters around the world uh, who are gathering together today in Jesus' name as well, that you'd bless their services and their teachings and that you'd bring many souls to salvation, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week. Dad covered it a little bit this morning, but uh, you know, a lot of the truths of the Bible, you can't go over it enough. You can't repeat it enough. Uh, Joshua was not born Joshua. He was born Hosea, right? Which means uh, Savior. It means Savior. Uh, it was Moses that changed Joshua's name. When he sent out the 12 spies, he changed Joshua's name from Hosea to Jehoshua, Yehoshua, which means God, our salvation, Okay, which is such an interesting thing that Moses would do that right before the spies went to go into the promised land, came back, 12, uh, 10 of them, of course, saying, we can't do it, we can't do it. Well, no, duh, Sherlock, right? Of course you can't do it. God can do it. God is our salvation, right? Stop looking to your tools and look into the tool chest of the Lord, right? And you will never, never be dismayed. Uh, and you will never lose hope, and you will never lose heart, because our God is the God, the great God, the creator of heavens and earth. He created you for a purpose, and he gave us his word so that we might know his will for our lives, and with our obedience to his word, 
And with our faith to believe that he is speaking to us comes his ability from him to do the things that he's asking us to do. Um, the ability to do that deutimus. I will endue you from power with on high when the Holy Spirit comes. The word is deutimus. It's the same word we get dynamite from. It literally means the ability to do. Okay? So remember Peter, right? Remember Peter uh, before Pentecost, before the coming of the Holy Spirit? Peter only, only opened his mouth long enough to put one foot in and then close it and open it to put the other one in, right? Peter the lopper off of ears, right? Peter, the, 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 the person who was ready to, wanted God to call down fire on people. Peter, the one who was constantly speaking out of turn. This same Peter, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, he goes out and he preaches a message, a salvation message, and I can never remember, it's a three or 5,000 that come to the Lord that day, right? Through Peter, and, and, and God goes on to use Peter in so many amazing, miraculous ways because God gave Peter the ability to do things that were outside of his own ability, that's what the Christian life is. The Christian life is a miraculous life. Uh, you know, people have gotten it twisted up in our culture because they look at Christians, all right? And if you want to understand and know Christi what Christianity is supposed to be all about and you just look at other Christians, I, I'm sorry, you're going to be in trouble, right? Because some of the biggest jerks in my life that I've ever known were Christians, right? And, and I'm, I kid you not. And I hated them for a long, long time. And I ran in the other direction, right? I knew a couple that were decent, right? I knew a couple that said what they meant and meant what they said and loved me regardless of what I was doing and loved other people. And I saw that. But if you look to people, you will always be disappointed. The scripture says, looking unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. That means he's the beginning, that means he's the middle, and that means he's the end. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. The rest of us are just struggling and scraping and clawing and scratching and tripping and falling to get to his feet. That's what the Christian life should look like. And those of us who find ourselves in that situation, clawing and scratching to try to get to Jesus Christ, our duty and our responsibility and what God has given us to do is to help others along the way. God does not need judgmental Christians. Now, don't get it twisted what I'm saying to you. God needs Christians who speak the truth. God's word says what it says. God doesn't apologize for what the word says. And we ought to speak it boldly as being God's truth because it is. However, it is never our job to judge the circumstances, the situations, or the person with which we're sharing the truth with. That's the Lord's job. Our job is to share that with them in love. In love. That is our calling. And what happens in the Christian life along the way is some of us, many of us, uh, start off being very zealous for the Lord, and, and sometimes what comes along with that is a really judgmental attitude towards people, right? I'm doing the right things, right? What's wrong with you? You, you, you make me sick, you know what I mean? Look at you. Just look at you, you know, and, and, and you can get this judgmental attitude towards people, all right? You've, you've been watching the news, okay? When you guys are watching the news, all right, if you're still doing that, I, if you are, I'm sorry, okay? But if you're still watching the news, how many times if you got caught up in this thing or that thing and you're sitting there going, rah, 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 you want to kill somebody, right? 
Because, because that's the philosophies of the world, right? You are not a citizen of this world as a born-again Bible-believing Christian, as a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a citizen of heaven. That is our priority. Uh, in preparing this week, I heard a pastor say that, that, that God owes it to the rest of the world. Now, I would never presume to say God owes anybody anything, but he was making a point. God owes it to the rest of the world to allow the American experiment to fail because of the, the great immorality that this land has gone into over the past 40, 50 years, okay? And I don't mean morality as you define it. I mean morality as the word of God defines it. And more than the behavior, it's the heart of a person who says, I just want to do the right things. Do you want to do the right things as a follower of Jesus Christ? Hopefully. Let me ask you this. Do you always do the right things? No. No. God is never, ever, ever, and we're going to be talking about that, he is never, ever looking for the perfect performance. He's looking for willing hearts. And he's looking for faith. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for willing hearts, and he's looking for faith. If you're putting your faith in the things of this world, this world needs Jesus. And the church is being told right now that we need to get on board with this, and we need to get on board with this, because it's not just enough to tell people they need Jesus. Excuse me, bull crap. Amen. Sorry, you need Jesus. We all of us need Jesus Christ. And then we can start treating people appropriately. In this world, there's always going to be tribulation. There's always going to be persecution. There is always going to be hardship. There are always going to be evildoers looking to do evil to other people. And we are to have the mind of Christ, who considered the cross scorning its shame, but for the joy set before him. Hey, we got a job to do. We got a job to do. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation is, I'm your brother. I'm your brother. You know what makes me your brother? The blood. And it's my job to love you, and it's my job to pray for you, and it's my job to speak the truth to you, and it's my job to help you. That's what the world needs. And this whole new, this new morality, this new philosophy, that this is what morality looks like, that you're woke and that you're a social justice warrior, okay? Jesus Christ was none of those things. He came to speak the truth of the Father, and they killed him for it. You know, people try to make Jesus palatable now. He was never palatable. He is the stumbling stone of offense that all must fall over to get to God. What's the stumbling stone? What's the offense? You are lost. You and I are born with a condition called sin. And in due time, we willingly enter into that agreement. And we become sinners, and sin separates us from Almighty God. And Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, became a man, lived a perfect life, taught us how to follow after him and follow after the Word of God, and then he died on the cross in our place. And remember, he didn't climb a ladder and nail himself to the cross. The government of the day wanted him dead, and the religious system of the day wanted him dead, and the people were wishy-washy, fickle, didn't know what side of the fence they were on. Because they cried, Hosanna, when he came into Jerusalem and crucify him a week later. We follow Christ. We follow Christ. We follow the Word of God. That's what's important. Now, getting into the story of uh, Joshua, uh, and, and of course, here in chapter 2 of Joshua, Rahab and the spies, let's start. 
Uh, now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia, gro- from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. For she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, and neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, Swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this, this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned, and afterwards you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. Reminds you of Passover, doesn't it? Uh, And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, and crossed over, and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. So right off the bat, Joshua, as as we talked about earlier, was one of 12 spies who were sent to spy out the land. There was one spy from each of the 12 tribes of Israel that Moses sent over to spy out the land, and the Bible says that they came back and brought the report to all the people. Remember how that went, right? 
not good, right? By the end of the day, they all wanted to stone Moses, I mean with stones, okay, and then go back to Egypt, all right? Uh, and God said, because of your lack of faith, because you're unwilling to, get to enter into the promises that I've told you are yours to possess, you're going to wander in the desert, uh, for 40 years until this unbelieving generation passes away, this next generation is going to enter into the promised land. Joshua learned his lesson well. He picks two dudes, right? He gets two guys, and notice what it says in the beginning of chapter 1. Uh, Joshua, son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly. Secretly. Now, earlier in chapter 1, uh, let's see... Uh, it says in, uh, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time looking for it, but in chapter one, it says in three days time, we're going to enter into the land. Okay. So this is right before the invasion takes place. All right. There's not much time to spare. And Joshua secretly sends in these two spies to get the lay of the land, to see what's going on and to spy out Jericho. Now, Jericho is not an enormous city. The inside of Jericho is roughly approximately 10 acres okay? It's not that big. This land that we're on is 32 acres or something like that. It's not that huge of a, of a, of a, of a city. And so they're sent in to spy it out because it's at, right at the front on the other side of the Jordan River. They are the gatekeepers going into the promised land. They have these high walls and these, this fortified city that was formidable. And so Joshua said, I want to get the lay of the land. He was not looking for their report as to whether or not we can do it. You understand? This was a strategic mission. Anything you guys can bring back, any information. And no doubt, Joshua probably told them, this may be a suicide mission. This may be a suicide mission. I mean, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But this is, this is quite the task. The people are looking at them. The, children, uh, the people of Jericho can stand upon their fortified walls and they can see the nation of Israel marching towards them. You ever watch Lord of the Rings? I can't help myself. You ever watch this? The se- Remember the second one? The second one, the two towers and the army of the, of the orcs or goblins or whatever they are coming towards the blum, 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 towards the city gates, okay? So, so here's this city. Inside the city, maybe 10 square acres and Outside is the nation of Israel, some one and a half to two million strong. And they're coming towards the city, okay? They're looking for trouble, right? They're not just like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't even worry about it. You know what I mean? They are on high red alert. Uh, And so Joshua sends these two spies in, in secret, to go in and to report back to him alone. The Septuagint says that they were young men. And uh, it says at the end of verse 1, so they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab. (laughs) So the first thing, these young men come to the city. Where do they go? (laughs) They go to the house of a harlot. Now, uh, I I don't want to lead you on some crazy wild thing here. I think it was something other. On paper, it doesn't look very good. Okay? On paper, it's like, really, Eli? Really? I really, three days we're going in and I send you to the city and where do you go? But I believe that this was absolutely 100% a divine appointment. Now, what led them there? I don't know. Okay. This is BC. All right. This is before Jesus Christ. This is before the power of the indwelling spirit. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what was going on and harlotry prostitution was the lay of the land folks. Okay. Everywhere they went. 
Uh, and that, that's no excuse. That's not to put any excuse on it. I have no idea the reason that they ended up at Rahab's house. Now, it may have been strategic simply because, one, prostitutes work for money, and they understand discretion, okay? But I don't think it was any of those reasons. I think it was uh, maybe a few of those along with a divine appointment. I want to read to you out of the book of Acts, chapter 10, and verses 1 to 6. This is what I think happened, okay? Uh, and this is a different story from fast forward all the way to Jesus' day, Jesus' death, resurrection, uh, into the church age, okay? And, and, and this is when this account takes place. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a Roman centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. You know, they talk like this, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, I, I apologize. A devout man, <laughs> he had a mean left hook, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision of an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius! And when he observed him, he was afraid, because when an angel appears to you and says your name, guess what? You're afraid. You're not like, yeah, I've been waiting for this. I got some questions for you there, Gabriel. You know what I mean? You go, ah, you know what I mean? That's what happens. Uh, so he was afraid, and he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. You know what that means? That means Cornelius, acting in the righteousness he knew that was outside of Jesus Christ, came up before the throne of God. What are we going to do about Cornelius? You understand what I'm saying? Let's stop for a minute. I want you to look at me and understand what I'm saying. Cornelius is just a guy who doesn't know Jesus Christ yet. He's not a born-again Christian. He's a guy who fears God and wants to do right. You understand what I'm saying? And so something happens where in the throne of God, his prayers come before the throne. What are we going to do about Cornelius? You understand? If there's somebody out there who has faith to find Jesus Christ, I guarantee you God will find him. What about the native who lives in the deepest, darkest jungles of South America? God will find them. God will find them. And I don't know exactly how that might look, but I believe and trust God to do exactly that. Now you, now, and, and so he says, um, your prayers and alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. Now after this, immediately after this, we have the famous account where Peter's up on the roof praying and God sends him the vision where he lets down the sheet and it's got every kind of animal on it that Jews are not supposed to eat. And it says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he has this conversation with God. No, I can't eat that. It's unclean. I'm a Jew. I can't eat that. It's unclean. Don't call anything unclean that I've called clean, Peter. Kill and eat, kill and eat. And Peter's sitting there going, ooh, 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 I don't understand what's going on. And then the delegation comes from Cornelius's house. You see, a Jew was never, ever, ever to eat with a Gentile. And they would really never, ever, ever eat with a Roman. And they would really, really, really never eat with a Roman centurion. But don't call anything clean, Peter, that I've called clean. Who is it in your life? You ever know somebody or hear about somebody, and to you they're utterly unclean. You don't know the story. You do right, you seek God, and you love God, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to bless him. Give me an opportunity to speak to him, Lord. That should be our prayer. Don't call anything unclean that God has called clean. I think this is what happened with Rahab. 
I think that Rahab was a woman who had a heart for the Lord. I think she had a heart to seek after the Lord. And we don't know all of the particulars of her life. She's referred to as Rahab the harlot, okay? And we're going to get into that a little, in a little bit. Uh, but there was clearly something special about her, yes? There was clearly something else. Yes, she was a woman of the city of Jericho, which was a cursed city afterwards. And yes, she was called a harlot. And yet, God said in his way, in the Old Testament before Jesus Christ, don't call unclean what I've made clean. And he would make her clean, wouldn't he? He would make her clean. Um, so, so the other thing I want you to understand is all of this happened very quickly. Uh, go to verse uh, 3. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Verse 2, I'm sorry. <laughs> We've gotten to verse 2. Come, go to verse 2. And it was told the king of Jericho, notice, saying, Behold, men have come here, when? Tonight, from the children of Israel to search out the country. Okay? In other words, they had not gotten there for very long at all before word got back to the king. Hey, there's Jews here spying out the land. Okay? And the thing was found out. So it was a very quick transaction that happened here. Basically, it looks like this. They come to the city. They go to the house of Rahab, right? They enter in. They start to have a conversation or whatever. The conversation is going down or whatever is happening. And before too long, not long at all, and Rahab's called outside to answer for these two spies. This all happens very quickly. And so she quickly, before she answers the door apparently, rushes them up onto the roof where she has all of her flax st uh, stacked and hides them under the, the, the flax of staff. The, the stacks of flax. The flax of stacks. Say that six times fast. The stacks of flax, okay? And then she goes back down to deal with the king and to talk to them. And then she comes back up to tell the spies. So here's what the spies know. They come into the city and they go... Oh, Rahab's place. Let's try that, okay? And they go to Rahab's place, and they're not there long before the knock on the door. She takes them up, and they're hiding under a pile of flax, and they don't know nothing. Suicide mission. What are they thinking? What's going through their heads? What's going through the... Is she giving us up? Is she giving us up? This isn't good. What do you think? Should we leave? Should we jump over the wall? What should we do if they get their hands on us? And they don't know anything until Rahab returns to them. Um... <clears throat> They got there, someone saw them in short order, they went and reported what they, that they were there, and had gone to Rahab's house, and it's, it escalates from there. So, uh, let's skip down to verse 5, after she's hidden the men. Uh, it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark, she's telling her story, that the men went out, where the men went I do not know, pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. Um, da -da 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 -da. I'm sorry, I, I, gotta, I gotta back up, I was supposed to do 5 to 7, right? I already did that, Okay. Uh, pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. Verse 6, here's what I want us to focus on. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Now, this is where uh, the true, the hint of the true character of this woman begins to come out, I believe. So it says, she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the, on the roof. So likely, very likely, Rahab had a new trade. Rahab, for whatever reason, was involved with the business of flax, okay? Of harvesting and producing whatever with flax. Now let me talk to you a little bit about flax. It was used, you guys can still buy flax seed. You ever buy flax seed? It's a health thing. It's supposed to be a cure-all, right? I guess. I don't know. I've never eaten flaxseed. What do I look like? I eat chocolate chips, all right? 
Flaxseed. You want some flaxseed? Why don't you punch me in the face instead, okay? Flax. Oh, 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 that's all I can think of. Flaxseed. Anyway, some people eat it, okay? Maniacs eat this kind of stuff. Uh, okay. Uh, the, 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 the flax stalks, they were used for a different purpose. They were soaked and then they were dried out in the sun, okay? And the stalks would split open and there was fine strands within the stalks that were dried and then were dyed and used to make clothing and to make rope, okay? So flax was a big time commodity of the Middle East in those days. Now I want to read to you from Proverbs. If you're a lady here and you read the Bible, you probably know this very well. And you're probably telling your husband all the time that this is you, okay? Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Hey, hey, that's true. Amen. Right, Pops? It, is that true or is that true? Some of you dummies, and I'm talking to you dudes now, okay? You're just lucky to be here. Let's be honest, okay? You're just lucky to be here. If you have a virtuous wife, above rubies doesn't even begin to cover it, does it? All right? I tell my kids all the time. We used to have the big red van. I say, listen, boom, here's the deal, kids. Mommy goes down, okay? We're going to pile in the van. We're driving it into Onondaga Lake. I got nothing. It's it. It's over. It's over for the Thomases. I'm obviously joking, right? She is the glue that holds my house together. People say, hey, what, you got plans next Saturday? You want to, can we do this? What are you talking to me for? I just work here, okay? I don't know what's going on. I don't know who I am. I, she's my handler, okay? That's what this is, this arrangement. She runs the house. She runs everything. Sometimes she even thinks she runs me. <laughs> That's another joke, right? Okay. A virtuous woman. Who can find her? Now let's go on from there. You guys know this. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. It'll hint for you ladies. That's really all he's looking for, right? Most dudes, just don't do me dirty, okay? Just don't do me evil. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. I think that Rahab had acquired a new trade. I think that we're going to get to her speech, what she says to the, to, the, to the spies here, but I think in her seeking after God and searching after God, listen, you know, right? Listen, the, what, let's talk about one of the, the transgender homosexuality thing in our culture today. Right now, you all just went, right? You went into vapor lock, right? Don't even, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? They need to be brought to Jesus Christ, just like Methodists and Baptists and, 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 and Muslims and Mormons and, 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 and Buddhists and everybody else. They need to be told that Jesus Christ loves them desperately, right? And that he died on the cross for their sins. But what about their queerness, okay? Listen, you don't worry about their queerness. Oh, hello? You worry about getting them to Jesus. Your job is to arrange the meeting, friend. Your job is to arrange the meeting. You let God deal with them. And he will deal with them gently, lovingly, as a father deals with their son. You be careful how you take care of God's kids. Because it looks like this, hey, I'm giving you my kids to watch, I'll be back. That's what we're waiting on right now. And when he returns, how's he going to find I treated his kids? Love them. Tell them the truth. You let God do the work. Let God do the work, and he will do the work. 
right? We're so scared about they're not going to change and this isn't going to happen and they're not going to realize that if they truly seek after the Lord, he's going to do his perfect work in their lives. You arrange the meeting and you encourage it. That's what our job is. Um, So uh, I want you to also remember too that she at one point in her life certainly was a prostitute. Okay, And if at any point in your time, in those ancient times, in that culture, at any point in your time of your life, you were a harlot, guess what you were referred to as the rest of your life? Right? Remember when, when the woman from the streets comes in uh, to, to, and, and, and breaks the alabaster jar of, 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 uh, of ointment, right, of expensive perfume, and she anoints Jesus' feet with it. Remember, Judas gets all upset about it because he wanted to steal it and sell it for his own gain. But remember that. Remember whose house he was in? You didn't do the prepare for the message, so I don't expect you to remember. Simon the leper. Simon the leper. And I'm like, this poor guy. Well, Jesus had healed him from leprosy, friends. Jesus had healed him from leprosy. He still was referred to as Simon the leper. You know what I mean? Hey, the leper's here. Come on, guys. I've had leprosy in like 10 years. Get your leprous self in here. <laughs> you lost a thumb. Just kidding. You're good. You're good. That's the way the culture. Simon the leper. Okay, <laughs> pop like that. Um, Rahab the harlot, and I'm not. I'm not just trying to be. I be, just be funny or make a quip here. Rahab the harlot. That does not mean she was currently employed in harlotry. You understand what I'm saying? She was called Rahab the harlot. That's what she was known for. The name. The name stuck. It went synonymously with her. You didn't just get out from underneath your past uh, back in those days. Now, um, con- concerning a person, you know. Imagine being, being referred to as Rahab the harlot or Simon the leper after you'd been healed from leprosy or you'd walked away from that lifestyle of harlotry. And you can look at it as two ways. You can look at it as a shame and a reproach or a scarlet A, uh, so to speak, if you will, or as a testimony to the goodness of God. Abraham the Syrian, David the shepherd. What do you mean shepherd? I'm the greatest king. Why are you the king? Right? It's never the person. It's never the person. I want people to know. I want people to to do. I I, I love to go and and hang out with and be around people who knew me from my former life. And it doesn't bother me that people go, yeah, okay, yeah, oh, he's a pastor. Oh, oh, yeah, I got stories. I got some stories. It doesn't matter to me. It's okay. I always tell people this, the proof is in the pudding, right? And it's still an ugly picture sometimes, okay? But the proof is in the pudding. If you see any change or transformation in my life from when I was the old days, Frank, it is a testimony of the goodness and the greatness of Jesus Christ in my life. Listen, this is God's word, and what he says is absolutely real and absolutely true, and God wants to make something beautiful out of your life. And the blessings that I have in this life and the beauty of my life as I see it is 1,000% because of God. I don't care if people remember, weren't you the guy that blah, 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 blah? Aren't you the guy that blah, 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 blah? Yep, that's me. That's me. Remember, poor Paul, right? Paul's killing folks, right? Rounding Christians up and throwing them in the dungeon, causing them to blaspheme Jesus Christ at the, name of a, at the end of a sword. Next thing you know, he's coming around to preach Jesus. It's Paul, the persecutor of the church was here. That's what the church was saying at the time. That's a badge of honor. You're, you better believe I was this and that and this and that and this and that. And I was washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I was made clean by His power. Okay, verses 8 to 11. 
I don't know how far we're going to get here. What time is it? Like quarter after. <laughs> I hope you guys don't have any plans this afternoon. Okay, we'll be here till about four. Don't worry, it's only like 110 outside. Somebody turn the air conditioner off. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Uh, verses 8 to 11. Now, before they lay down, she came up to, to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. So this is their first, uh, what's happening? What's going on? What is she going to do? Is she going to give us up? She reappears, and this is what she says. I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Now, mind you guys, that was 45 years ago, or 40 years ago, roughly, 40, 45 years ago, that this had happened. And Rahab saying, we have heard, we have heard. How long had her family been talking about this nation? How long had her and her family been talking about what God had done, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed? And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Now, I want to put this to you. I want to put this to you. Probably when they had gotten to Jericho the first time, right, after they had just a few months before, crossed over the, 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 the Red Sea, crossed through the Red Sea, they were probably just as scared then. God had them discomfited then. Joshua saw it, Caleb saw it, they are bread for us. And all the people could see was the obstacles, and they completely lost hope and completely lost faith in God. And God, even back then, probably had that nation, that people prepared and ready to be defeated by the Israelites. However, however, and here's the amazing thing, because how God works, how he really works, I can't even begin to understand, let alone explain it to you. I think God had the, the people of Jericho ripe and ready for the Israelites to conquer them 40 years earlier. I also think that God had mercy on the people of Jericho and on Rahab. Because it was 40 years earlier. And he goes, no, in 40 years, Rahab's going to be ready. In four, 40 years, Rahab's going to be ready. We don't even begin to comprehend or understand the grace and the mercy and the compassion of the Lord our God every day that he doesn't bring judgment every day that the rapture doesn't come. It's so somebody else can come to Christ. It's so somebody else, and it's so you can tell someone else about Jesus Christ. Did God want them to enter in? Was, was that his will? Absolutely. What is it, was it his will for them to also not to enter in because of Rahab? Absolutely. How do you explain that? <laughs> I absolutely don't. His mind... His thoughts, the Bible says, are as the sand of the seashore beyond finding out, right? Why does God this? Why does God this? I don't know why he heals sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. I don't know why he allows this and stops that. I don't know the mind of God. I understand this. He is working and thinking from outside the realms of time, from the beginning to the end. And I am a speck, a, 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 not even a full atom in, in this tiny little spot of God's timeline going, what's going on? You better explain yourself. <laughs> he is God. Why, 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 why? Because he is God. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, and we know from Scripture, at the end of all things, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess 
in heaven and earth and under the earth. Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Guess why? Because he is. And it doesn't matter if the nations plot a vain thing and the heathen rage, my friend, okay? Stop getting all worked up and upset about this kind of stuff. God's got it all under control. God's got everything in charge. And there's somebody out there that he's waiting on. There's somebody out there that he's waiting on. Who, who might it be? I'm praying for Joe Biden to get saved. Can you imagine that? Oh my goodness, can you imagine? Suddenly Joe Biden comes to the stage and he's like, you know what? Abortion is an abomination. <laughs> I just got saved last night. Let me tell you sinners, right? That's what I'm praying for. God, please kill Joe Biden. What do you, what? Just like Jesus, right? You better not. You better not. You better be praying for these people out here in our society, in our culture, who are lost and don't know Jesus Christ. And of course, they're flailing and they're angry and they're disenfranchised and they're hurt. We're going to stand there, get them, God. No, no, that's not God's heart. That's not God's mind. God, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus Christ, just like you did with Rahab. I'm going to finish here with uh, a prophecy given in Exodus chapter 15, right after the children of Israel crossed over the, uh, the, the uh, crossed through, I'm, I'm messing it up with the, with the Jordan River, when they crossed through the Red Sea, this, this is the song that was sung, Exodus 15, chapter 15, verses 14 to 17, the people will hear and be afraid, sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed, the mighty men of Moab. And by the way, in case you're like, yeah, okay, Edom, Moab, Canaanites, all right? They're all people of the land of Canaan. Trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away, just the way Rahab's describing. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of what? Your arm. They will be as still as stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. God spoke it 40-some years before through a prophecy given by Moses right after they came through the Red Sea that this is exactly what he was going to do. And all that time, and all that time, Rahab and her family were watching. You ever wonder, who's watching me? Who's watching you? Who's watching us right now and contemplating and considering because of what he's, they, they have seen God do in your life, because of what they have seen God bring you through, or because they simply see you're supposed to be a Christian. Let's see how you respond to this. Who's, we don't know. We have no idea. That first generation blew it. They blew it. And now here comes the second generation, and all those things are coming to pass. You know? and, and on one hand, on one token, it's sad for me. It's one family. It's one family. It reminds me of Lot you know, and Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and his family, there's the only ones found worthy to escape. And there's one family in Jericho. But God was faithful, wasn't he? to bring them out. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for your, your grace and mercy and for your word and for the encouragement of Joshua chapter 2, Father, for the story of Rahab and 
your wonder-working power, Father, how you can rescue anybody, Lord, who has a heart of faith uh, and who has eyes to see and ears to hear, Father, what your word says. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be ambassadors of that truth, Father, and that we would convey it to this world with love and compassion and grace and mercy, Lord, uh, and that there wouldn't be an angry bone in our body, Father, uh, or a judgmental bone in our body, but it would be love and compassion and absolute truth, Lord, according to your holy word. Uh, Father, we ask and, and pray, Lord, that you would be preparing um, <laughs> however many Rahabs there are out there in our life and in our story, Father, today, uh, who've been watching. Lord, we pray that you would help us to zero in our focus, Lord, so that we would not be like the first generation of, of people who, who lacked and lost faith, but we would be like the second generation, Lord, who had faith to enter into the promises, Lord, that they would see that in us and we could bring them with us, Lord, into the promised land of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that your will would be accomplished in us and through us. I pray that you bless my brothers and sisters here today. Father, I pray that you'd watch over them, that you'd guide them, that you'd cause your face to shine upon them, that you'd be gracious to them, I pray, Lord God, that you would lead them along your path of righteousness and truth and holiness, Father, that you'd grant to them peace and grace and forgiveness of their sins and the, um, and the mindset, Lord, to continue moving forward and not, not reflect uh, and dwell in the past, Lord. I pray that you would help them to see the future, what you have in store for them, uh, and not the things in the past the devil may be accusing them of, Father, or maybe people may be accusing them of. Father, show them your love for them. For them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody. We'll, we'll finish that next week.